You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Hey everyone, and welcome to another whimsical episode of Ask Drone You. My name is Paul, and we are broadcasting live from HQ here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The Burke, Rob. <laughs> Otherwise known as Borque. <laughs> However you say it, we're still here for you. That's right. <laughs> My name's Rob. Happy to be here. Even happier that you're listening wherever you are, whatever you're doing. We appreciate it more than you'll ever know. So thank you. Definitely. Thank you. We've got an interesting question. Um, we haven't addressed this one in quite some time. It's a good one. So glad we're back. What makes this a good question is the way the question is posed, frankly. So I'm kind of excited about that. <laughs> yes. Yes. But also, I think it also poses other questions in general, because yeah. with the evolvement of uh, the drone industry, with more and more people picking this up, with recreational flights picking up steam as well, and now to have and to expect drone delivery at scale in at least three years, the paradigm of this particular question may change in itself. And for all of you helicopter pilots who fly by the seat of your pants, put on your seatbelt because I don't want you to assume that based off of one thing that I say that it it uh, is a blanket statement towards all things because I may say some things just to see if you're paying attention. So <laughs> um, that said, what we're going to be talking about today is minimum safe flight altitudes. Um, there, again, the way that this question is asked is, is very prominent. Don't forget, too, that we did just have the first case of a federal criminal enforcement against a drone pilot who hit a helicopter. But in those circumstances, the drone pilot was not authorized to fly at night, did not do so properly, uh, did not yield to aircraft. I mean, the, the number of infractions is significant. But let's talk about if that wasn't the case. Let's talk about if we're in a legal uh, drone flight. What does that mean? Well, before I get any more vague about what we're trying to talk about before we try to talk about it, let's bring up some really good news. Thank you to all, all of you who have signed up for our advanced photogrammetry, aka drone mapping boot camp class that was on Tuesday, Thursday evenings. Uh, that is one of the largest uh, mapping classes. Actually, it is the largest mapping class that we have ever had. And it seems like a lot of you really, really enjoy the three, they were two hour long sessions, but since we've been answering questions at the end of every single class, uh, these sessions are now three hours each. And it's honestly really awesome, Rob, because I, I think that the opportunity to ask those questions and to get instant feedback um, helps people who are uh, in the more beginning stages realize the reality of what people further along the line are doing. And when they hear these more advanced questions, it really makes them think like, oh, wow, this guy's, you know, some of these people are really, really far down into this. And mm -hmm. we have a lot of people who are, are, are making good money. And you know, we even had uh, a surveyor come on and, and kind of poking the bear about, you know, accuracy and whatnot. And he was like, well, if I've got a centimeter uh, grade RTK stick, then I know my maps are good to a centimeter grade. And it's like, absolutely not, because you're not following the three rules of ground sampling distance and how ground sampling distance is calculated. But what you're saying is physically impossible because of why rule number two, camera 
well, that's focal length, but rule number three, camera sensor size. Mm -hmm. So it's but, it's a good opportunity for back and forth because people get to see these people yeah. from different industries and see what people are really doing and hear real world experiences of p how people are making money, how they've had trouble, et cetera. It's good. Absolutely. And it gives people time because the reality is no matter how we feed this to folks, um, at least some subsection of the group of the of the class, it's going to be like getting water from a fire hose. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's uh, the water hose is not going for 72 hours. It's going for a couple of hours. And so you can take a breath and rest <laughs> and uh, and contemplate and ask questions and maybe even connect with another of the students along the way. So there's a, a lot of benefits and it's been really great. And uh, we've got another one starting up. We do have another one starting up and PJ is taking on this one. PJ is helping teach on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but he will be the main instructor for Mondays and Wednesdays. So if you want to join us for a drone mapping boot camp and you want to take it in gallon doses, maybe that's a better analogy uh, for drinking from a fire hose. If you want to take it in gallon doses, Monday and Wednesday evenings, I forget exactly what time he's doing, but he's doing a little- Seven Central. 7 p.m. Starting Central. February 15th. So a little bit later. And for those of you who asked in our webinar, we do have acquisition days set up during the day on the weekends. So for example, the class that's uh, Monday and, or excuse me, Tuesday, Thursdays right now, their acquisition day is February 12th and 13th. They get a choice of which they want to attend. So Very that cool. being said, join us. The link is below. These events are on our webpage. If you go to thedroneu.com and scroll down to events, you can see the events are there. And we will also be adding new uh, virtual classes. And Rob, I think, I think maybe in the summer, mm -hmm. are we going to get back to in person here? You know, we're certainly hoping so. Yeah. And, you know, certainly some of our DroneU elite pilots have been doing it already one-on-one -on -one and very carefully. And with masks and all that good stuff. But in terms of more <laughs> traditional classes, <laughs> yes. We're they wear oxygen tanks. <laughs> Sorry. Hazmat suits required. Bright yellow. Anyway. Anyways. We bought them from the Breaking Bad store. That's right. We are in Albuquerque. <laughs> so they're so they're fake hazmat suits. No, they're not, actually. I would give a $100 discount to any in-person class if they showed up in a yellow Breaking Bad suit, for sure. <laughs> I'd be like, here you go. <laughs> you win. Yeah, uh, but anyways, we are hoping to get back to some in-person training on, on a larger group scale um, by the end of the summer. But obviously, as we all know, we don't know. But that's our hope and our goal. And also, to clarify, no, you cannot wear a T-Rex suit and costume and go to drone mapping class because or hmm. or Why in an in-person class because well you can't seek and avoid and we like we like to uh we like to follow the rules here at drone you so indeed all right that said yeah uh by the way quick quick update before we go on i just want to give everyone an update this week we are going to cover the new rules about recency about flying over people about nighttime waivers that you don't need anymore and so much more, okay? We here at DroneU, we're really focused on our 2021 strategy in what we're doing uh, in an effort to help the people uh, as best we can and engage with them. Um, and in the wake of everything that's been going on, all the noise in the world, we had to kind of escape from that for a minute to clear our heads and, and realize what our goals are and how uh, we can best help people. So thank you for your patience, but expect the long-winded deep dives that you know and can expect from DroneU. Also, thank you to everyone out there for the support over the holiday season. Mahesh, you know what, man? You're the man. 
And I've said that before on the show, but Mahesh gave us really personal gifts. Do you know how you know someone cares? Because they pay attention. And Mahesh got me a nice little notebook and it's all leather bound, has my name on it with blank pages. So now I have a place to put my crazy weird drawings. Your, your uh, drone designs? Well, your it's a lot sketches. like super bad. They end up in weird designs. Oh, no, no, no. It is. <laughs> Let's hope it is not like super bad. <laughs> if any of you get that reference, I apologize. <laughs> Anyway, all right. Well, thank you, Jonah Hill, and uh, <laughs> let's play that question. Hello, guys. My name is German. I'm with Florida UAV Systems here in South Florida. And my question is in reference to flight radar. We use it a lot. My spotters use it to let us know what's in the area. But lately, we've been having some issue with uh, news helicopters. They're flying way below the 400 feet the other day, I was doing a breaking news with the drone, capturing video, and a news helicopter showed up, and per flight radar, they were 200 feet. I mean, they were pretty close, eyeballing the helicopter also, so you can tell they were low. My question is, is there something we can do about this? Is it okay for them to do that, or is that something that we just have to deal with? Your input would be appreciated. Thank you very much. German, thank you for the question. It's an important question, and uh, there's actually a lot to unpack in there, so I'm kind of excited to uh, get this underway. If you have a question like German did, go to askdroneu.com. We would love to hear from you, and uh, and there is just no question that is a dumb question, so uh, reach out. There isn't. And also, it's important to know that the rules that we follow as drone pilots and the airspace rules um, don't apply to every level of pilot in the same way. Before we go down the rabbit hole, before we talk about the responsibility of all pilots, whether a helicopter pilot or a drone pilot, we would like to make it really clear that pilots in general all prescribe to the same mentality which is that the pilot is always responsible. That means helicopter pilots, and that means drone pilots. We have seen helicopter pilots be egregious when it comes to drone pilots even trying to do the right thing. For example, one of his question is, there's something that we can do. Some drone pilots would say, well, what if you set up the precedent that the drone operation is there, thus notifying the helicopter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, the past, the previous uh, experiences would say every time we filed a notum specifically to for our fly-in conference, it actually caused helicopters to invade the airspace. Bodhi, I'm talking to you. That said, let's talk about how drone pilots have to yield to manned aircraft, but manned aircraft have a responsibility as well to think practically because, and, and we're going to bring this up at the end of the show, but because we're going to talk about the paradigm shifting here, um, we're going to first talk about what is the actual rule for helicopters. It might surprise the question listener that the helicopter actually has every right to be there. Okay. But that said, in the future, will the paradigm change when we've got all these delivery drones, all these commercial drones doing things? 
is there a point where the helicopter is actually causing a hazard to the airspace by just dropping right in? So let's hit the first thing. Let's hit the first question. Was it legal for the pilot, the helicopter pilot, to essentially be at 200 feet? The long and the short of it is yes. But let's look at the law. Okay, uh, 14 CFR 91 dot one one nine section delta which is helicopters powered parachutes and weight shift control aircraft if the operation is conducted without hazard to persons or properties on the surface oh wait a minute wait a minute Wait a minute. Before I get into the fact that, yes, it's legal for a helicopter to, to fly sub 500 feet, please do not forget, helicopter pilots, this very important point of Section Delta from 91.119, which is if the operation is conducted without hazard to persons or property on the surface. Okay, the argument could be that if there's a lot of drones going on that have permission to be there, it's a legal operation, and you just come drop in how is that not a hazard to persons and property on the surface? Okay. But let's go back to, does the helicopter pilot hmm. have the legal authority? Okay. A helicopter. So this is 91.119 section D subsection one. A helicopter may be operated at less than the minimum prescribed in paragraph B or C of this section. Provided each person operating the helicopter complies with any routes or altitudes specifically prescribed for helicopters by the FAA and a powered parachute or weight shift control aircraft may be operated at less than the minimum prescribed altitudes in section C. Okay. Section C says other than other over other than congested areas, an altitude of 500 feet above the surface, except over open water or sparsely populated areas. In those cases, the aircraft may not be operated closer than 500 feet to any person, vessel, vehicle, or structure. But don't forget subsection D, which we just read. Helicopters. If the operation is conducted without hazard to persons and property on the surface, a helicopter may be operated at less than the minimum prescribed altitudes in paragraph Bravo and Charlie of this section. So they can fly lower than 500 feet, which is something that we've talked about before. Mm -hmm. What we have not talked about before is the preface. And the preface is if the operation is conducted without hazard to person or property on the surface. It seems like as drones uh, become more prevalent, Rob, that there, we might have to readdress some of these airspace uh, things. Like we kind of talked about, about what is navigable airspace, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But I personally don't see that happening anytime soon. Um, but you make a good point that the more that, uh, yeah, drones, uh, prolif, what is it? What's the Proliferation. word? Proliferation. Proliferate. <laughs> Proliferate. <laughs> Proliferate the, the skies, then uh, there's going to have to be some acquiescence, I suppose, to uh, making room for them. If they're doing legitimate things like deliveries and particularly if it's, for example, delivering medical goods or I mean, there's a, a myriad of things that they could be doing that are very uh, valid and valuable, particularly if you're talking about a news helicopter trying to get a story versus medication trying to get mm -hmm. delivered somewhere or whatever. I mean, there's all kinds of scenarios. It's endless, but it's going to be interesting. And I wonder if the powers that be are even thinking in these terms at this point. 
you know what? I doubt that they're thinking of these terms at this point because of the Part 107 rule, which says that drones must always yield to other aircraft, right? Let's let's just read that really quick because that's 107.37, and it's very clear each small unmanned aircraft must yield the right-of-way to all aircraft, airborne vehicles, and launch and re-entry vehicles. Yielding the right-of-way means that the small unmanned aircraft must give way to the aircraft or vehicle and may not pass over, under, or ahead of it unless well clear. That's pretty clear. <laughs> it's funny, as you were like, pretty clear, I was like, that's pretty big. <laughs> no way. Because like, what is well clear, you know? But again, I think they say these things because of the point that I wanted to bring up next, which is drone pilots, helicopter pilots. Drone pilots must yield to aircraft, but helicopter pilots, if you're going in a very dense area with lots of drones that you know to have drones, i.e. the example of the Kauai Blue Hawaiian helicopter who flew into that area, et cetera, mm-hmm. um, there, it's an area known to have a lot of drones. The drone pilot was flying legally, et cetera, et cetera, right? We all prescribe to the same mentality, which is pilots as pilots, we are ultimately responsible. So drone pilots, we are ultimately responsible of our aircraft, which means we yield, okay? But helicopter pilots, while you do not want drone pilots inhibiting your safety in the air, it is also without saying that you shouldn't inhibit safety on other people as well. My point is, in this age of American divisiveness, um, we have got to humble down and say, you know what, at some point we have got to, you know, be, we have to rise above, literally. We are pilots and we're used to rising above and we've got to rise above and we've got to play it safe, okay? Drone pilots can still get their shots without ever getting in the way of a helicopter and helicopters can get their shots without ever getting in the way of a drone pilot. In the past, here in Albuquerque, and again, RIP to Bob Martin, who was the KRQE uh, helicopter pilot who we knew very well here at DroneU, and we even trained him a few times. All the helicopter pilots used to have a radio frequency that they could all squawk to each other on. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a problem with drone pilots because according to the FCC, we're not legally allowed to get on an aviation radio and mm-hmm. say, hey, helicopter pilots, uh, watch out, drone at three o'clock, blah, 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 you know. Um, so my question is, how can we set up some sort of means of communicating with helicopter uh, pilots? Because yeah. it's not going to happen in America, but in a country like Canada, where there's a micro drone rule and people get to fly their Mini 2 just about wherever the hell they want to. And a helicopter comes in for a shot. Yeah, a Mini 2 is not going to hurt a helicopter, right? But it may freak them out and they may, go, you know, oh, the helicopter would have crashed, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, not so much. But isn't, I mean, Part of the point here is that it is, I would think, as a general rule, much easier for the pilot of the drone to see the helicopter than the helicopter to see the drone. A hundred percent, yes. so we have to approach it with that understanding. Agreed. Right? And as as long as we do that and then come back to what you're saying, if everybody does their part, there shouldn't be an issue. Like the guy in California, sounds like he had a... He had a propensity for this sort of idiotic behavior, and he I, finally got caught. I think that that is val. I think that is valid to say that the pilot who crashed into the LAPD helicopter did, in fact, have a history. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, you know, recreational pilots 
aren't allowed to do things at night. They're not, I mean, the guy didn't have a strobe on his drone. Like, so let's go back to what you said. The, the drone, oh, the dog farted really bad. Um, the drone pilot has the responsibility to make way for the helicopter pilot. Yes, legally speaking. Yes, practically speaking, because we can see helicopters yeah. much easier than they can see us. That is rule of thumb, right? Just look mm, at the, right. the signage laws. But that's why I said at the beginning of the show, we all prescribe the same ideology, which is pilots are ultimately responsible. So pilot, is the helicopter allowed to be at 200 feet? Yes. Yes, he is. You are also responsible to yield to him. But this is why as pilots, we got to get creative with our movements. You know, we're not just flying in straight lines. This is why we talk about banking turns in our flight mastery. This is why we talk about when you're in a particular part of the banking turn, no matter what, you're going to get orientation loss because of perspective. These are things that we talk about here at DroneU. And these, this is why we train pilots who get the job that they do. So... That said, um, I know it can be frustrating for drone pilots when you see a helicopter come in, quote unquote, to your airspace. But remember, and this is also a reminder for our representatives, that the airspace is a public thoroughfare. And we all have a right to that public thoroughfare. I rest my case. All right. I mean, as of now... There is a pecking order <laughs> that we adhere to. Oh, geez. And just be careful. <laughs> That's the bottom line. Be careful. Yeah, it is. But again, um, and you know, I don't want to negate the fact that have we seen helicopters be outright egregious? I'm sure. And fly into areas where pilots have tried to go above and beyond to communicate with other aircraft and do a drotum and say, hey, we're right here, right? And if you remember at the fly-in, I totally scolded PJ for making a drotum slash notum because literally right after he did that, a Bodhi R44 came in 75 feet off of the deck and there were 30, not 30, that's an exaggeration. There are 12 or 13 drones airborne at that level and above. And this guy could have totally caused a catastrophic accident. Okay, we've seen that with other people as well. Just because you are a certain type of pilot, like an ATP, does not make you a better person than a drone pilot. All it does is you have a different set of skills. It doesn't give you the right to be pedantic. Rest my case. Again. It's been a pleasure. Hey, sorry. Well, look, we've seen egregious behavior on drone pilots, but like there's this like everyone else is so perfect. We are, we've never done a bad thing in our lives. Right? We know that's not true. We're all human. We have to give each other grace. But we also have to take ultimate responsibility. And now I'm rambling. Rob saying, here, here. All right, on that bombshell. I was going to do it for us. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> have a good day. I'm Rob. <laughs> and I'm Paul. Okay, cool. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are 
the Drone Youth.